My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. I am doing another podcast where I am the only person producing this. I'm so scared. I don't see any wavy lines. Do you see any wavy lines? I don't see any wavy lines. Oh, there they are. There was a wavy line. Okay, cool. Wavy lines. All right, cool. We have with (laughs) us um, S.K. Valenzuela. Did I say that right? You got it right. Ah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so so let's explain how SK ended up in front of this mic here. Why don't you go and explain it? You <laughs> I'll do tell that. the story. Okay, um, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, I am launching into screenwriting, and I found Pilar's podcast last year. And at the same time, um, I entered the industry insider screenwriting competition. And as I was busily writing my draft script, I found out um, after the first 15 pages that I'd submitted that I was a semifinalist for the contest. And um, so as I was finishing the script and kind of learning as much as I could, um, I started listening to Pilar really regularly. And she had a rewrite contest and uh, the for the Coffee Break screenwriter. And I thought, I'm working on a script. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to make this better. So I just sent a little excerpt in and um, she gave me great feedback on the excerpt. And so we kind of, I, I managed to stay in touch and found out in January that I won the industry insider screenwriting competition, (laughs) which is why I'm now sitting here in LA because they flew me out here to meet with people. And I got in touch with Pilar and she's like, yeah, come by the studio. And I was like, okay, so here I am. And she's (laughs) sitting here. She thought she was just going to come by and say hello. And that was the intention. But as I was talking to SK, not only um, is she clearly uh, a, a writer with talent, I have yet to read your full script, um, but you know, you know, you won a, a, a prestigious contest. People are willing to fly you out and meet with you, so that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, Not I, only yeah. that, but um, also you're a novelist and you teach poetry. Yes. And I thought, well, you know what? You seem to have so much expertise. Let's put you on the show and see what you can talk about your approach to screenwriting because yeah. probably it comes from a very different place from other people. Um, so tell us every, everybody a little bit about, uh, about the novels that you're writing first. Well, I do sci-fi. So, um, my, uh, I have a trilogy of novels that's out right now. It's a space opera adventure about a fugitive assassin, um, who assembles a team and they're kind of battling a, uh, an evil collective force essentially that's bent on universal domination. And so it kind of tracks this conflict across the three, um, stories. There's a love interest. So it's, it's a very fun adventure kind of a oh, story. Your, your typical space opera, space opera sci-fi trilogy adventure. It's yeah, sure. It's, it's a fun story. And, um, I enjoyed writing it. I learned a lot, um, through the process and, um, so it was, it was a great experience, you know, getting through those novels. Um, I'm starting a new series now that novel, 
my fourth is supposed to come out the end of this month. Um, it's a thriller, sci-fi thriller. Um, and that one, um, has to do with, um, memory manipulation actually, and genetic, uh, experimentation. So kind of tracks, a, a memory technician who has to remember his past in order to be able to, um, kind of piece together what's going on in time to stop a genetic experiment that could, you know, forever alter humanity. So it's kind of a fun. I sense a lot of time on Google doing research. I did a lot. Well, actually the memory stuff, I I had done a lot of research on, um, for my, for my doctoral work. So real research, like academic research, not not the kind of research I do, which is clearly Google. Okay. I I did Google research too, because of the neuroscience. Like I am not like my sister is the medical one. I'm not into that. So I did, I did, you know, I kind of, the theoretical stuff I came at from, from the academic side and then the practical, like what part of the brain like controls, you know, I was totally on Google for that. (laughs) Absolutely. So you did your master's in what? Medieval literature. Medieval. Okay. So you did, but do you, okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, that's smart. That's what's going on. Oh my goodness. So you, you, so you write novels and they're sci-fi novels. Yeah. But then you also teach literature with an emphasis right now on, on, uh, epic poems, right? That's right. Yeah. Of course. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's super fun. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I often look at pages and think about the fact that because you have to pick your words so well and you have to position your words on the page so specifically that it must be in keeping with some of the rules of poetry. Yeah. Is it? Well, I, something that I always emphasize with my students is that structure and meaning are inseparable, especially in poetry. Like if I poet like Dylan Thomas decides to write a villanelle form of poetry for do not go gentle into that good night, which we all know rage, rage against the dying of the light. If he chooses that form, it's because it's pounding it into your head, rage against the dying of the light, rage, the repetition and the way that the structure enforces the meaning, you can't divorce the two of those things, you know? And, um, and I, that's one of the things that I love about screenwriting so much is that I feel there's a lot of that similar emphasis on structure as being really critically important to telling the story that you want to tell. You've got to know the structure. You've got to be able to, to master the pieces. Even the layout on the page um, is huge. You know, so different poets have played with um, layout. Um, my work in medieval literature, I mean, it's like the, the margins, the white space on the page becomes really important. That's where all the beautiful illuminations take place, you know. So I always like to think that, you know, that's where the magic happens. It's the space for imagination is the blank space on the page. So balancing the white space um, with well, let, Let's talk blocks. about that first yeah. and then go back to talking about how epic poems are, are hitting premise, like yeah. you said, yeah. rage, rage, right? Yeah. So let's go back to, to the, the white space for just a sure. second. Um, so... Are there, you, you know, we talk about in screenwriting that if you isolate one line um, and it is the only line that we see for a second, like you have a paragraph break and a line and then a new paragraph, yeah. that line is going to get emphasis in terms of the reader's attention is going to go to it, which yeah. means the director's attention is going to go to it, which means that the camera is probably going to really focus on it for a moment. Yeah. So it can create a visual impact and it can also create a tonal adjustment because mm-hmm. suddenly it's saying, wait a minute, let's look at this. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just a beat. It's just a rest, a pause. Yeah. Is that 
is there a similarity to how you lay out lines in poetry in terms of emphasis and getting the eye on it? Yeah, I think so. Especially like an example might be um, the sonnet form and the way that sonnets are meant to work is that in an English sonnet, for instance, you have um, three, four line quatrains, and then there's a turn in the last two lines of the, of the sonnet. And it's, it's kind of by rule that that turn occurs there. And so the way that that structure operates, you're kind of drawn, drawn to that moment in the poem to look for, okay, there's something, there's a twist coming. There's something here that's going to change the way that I see everything that I've just read. And it puts it all sort of into a larger context. Is it, is it a it. story turn? Is it a tonal turn? It can be, usually with a sonnet, I think it's a thematic turn. Mm. So it, it has to do with the way you understand, you know, what's been, what's been said previously. Um, it has to do with, usually I think with, with um, kind of like that vision, you know, that understanding. Does it, does it twist your expectation? Um, Often, in terms yeah. of the theme, so we think everything's fine, and then and then exactly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about when we're screenwriting, right? It's often we can do this in a scene, or we could do this in a sequence. In a scene, you know, there's that classic going from positive to negative or negative yeah. to positive. So you're on one track, and then there's a turn at the end exactly. of the scene, right? But if it's a sequence, it's often the same thing too that we sort of are pursuing one line and then there's a complication. Right. So it's, it's similar. Um, but as far as the look of it goes, is there an emphasis? I'm getting back to this sort of one line thing. Mm -hmm. When you're laying out your words, the positioning of the words, is it so that the eye is drawn to specific moments or specific, just, just like here, read this line above all others or, I think it depends on the poet. Okay. Um, some of them, William Blake is very famous for doing this, where he will actually lay out his poetry so that it makes a shape on the page. And the shape, like for instance, his poem, The Altar, is laid out so that it looks like an altar mm-hmm. on the page. Um, and so in, in that sense, he's really playing with that, the margin, and making it look like, so yeah, your eye is drawn to, you know, you're kind of funneling in and funneling out. Um, you're drawn to that center section of the poem. Um, some of the other poems, you know, they're fairly straightforwardly laid out. And so it becomes more about, um, you know, some of the other devices that are going on that might draw your attention, the way that the poet is kind of using, you know, alliteration or something to kind of drive the eye forward or something like that, that would, that would kind of change. So it just sort of depends on the poet, I think, you know, how they're playing with the space on the page. What about word choice? I love word choice. I would imagine. (laughs) I mean, love word choice. and, And again, too, with, with screenwriting, you know, your choice in scene direction yeah. about how you're describing a, a moment is going to completely change the picture. Yes. And so it, it's, you, you keep playing with it. You know, what kind of, you know, what kind of cavern are, are we in? Exactly. You know, the, that adjective is going to mean everything. Yeah. But I would imagine the same thing with poetry. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we were talking earlier about the economy of language with poetry, especially with lyric and the way that you compress meaning into as few. And in, in fact, with the formal poetry, you're talking about syllable count and you're talking about rhyme scheme and things that like put you in a box so tightly that, you know, your choices of words, you know, they have to be maximum impact, but they have to match with this. It's almost like writing music. You know, you have to, 
you have to follow that cadence, you know, in, in the line. And so that's something that, you know, you, if you want to kind of have a crash course in some great diction, you know, pick up a, a book of lyric poetry and just kind of start flipping through because you'll find words that you're like, I didn't know you could use that word like that, <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of fun to experience language being used in, in a powerful way like that in a di- kind of a different way than we may normally see it as screenwriters. Who would, who would be the, the uh, poets that you would recommend for this? Well, Shakespeare is kind of, who? Uh, yeah, exactly. What? I mean, if you're going to start, if you're, if you're not familiar, you know, with lyric as much, go to the sonnets, you know, and, and I think that that's a great place to start. T.S. Eliot is one of my absolute favorites. My favorite, one of my favorite poems is the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock and the imagery, the way he's able to use imagery in that poem, um, is just exceptional. So that would be a great, I mean, I would recommend that. That's one of my favorites. So <laughs> I love it. Um, for that reason, for exactly the reason. And uh, let's go back to rage, rage, say rage, again. rage, yeah. rage, rage against the dying of the light. Rage, rage do against the dying gentle. of the light. Yeah. Do not go gentle into the night. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and you, you mentioned that we keep coming back to this thought, yeah. right? So if we look at premise driven, TV shows or movies, right? You have to keep landing back on the premise. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that it can't have a higher purpose, yeah. but you know, what's the story actually about? What's the, the big idea? We kind of keep going back to that. Mm-hmm. Now it could be thematically that we're going back, but through action, through right. doing. Um, so there's that reminder every, every couple of pages or so, yeah. let's say every, 10 to 15 pages. So it's a little bit like that with, with what you were talking about and that we like can tell this whole story and then we come back. Yeah. You come back and hit that, that theme and in epic poetry. Now we were talking about that a little bit too, that, um, that is a, a, like a more premise driven, you know, it's a more narrative lyric, you know, it tends to be thematic generally speaking, but um, with Epic, you're dealing with a storyline and you're dealing with characters and conflict and kind of the things that we recognize. Um, and it's the way that the poets are able to use um, imagery or they're able to use these these kind of recurring details to reinforce sort of that higher theme or that higher premise as you're kind of reading through is really something that, that I encourage my students to kind of track that. I'm like, look at this. We're, we're seeing this image come up again and again and again and again. So how does that connect us back to that theme or that premise? And I think that's something that could be very useful in screenwriting is like, can you find an image? Um, I think like Blade Runner and the eyes, you know, this use of like vision and seeing and the emphasis on like what's going on um, as an image of like, can you really understand the world that you're in, you know, kind of reinforcing that theme. Um, you see that in epic poetry as well, you know, that kind of emphasis on image. So Did, when you were writing, um, does image come out of what you write and you start recognizing an image that can represent, or do you start with an image in your head? I think it kind of depends on the story. Um, and sometimes I will, I will kind of think about what could be something, you know, it can be a deliberate choice on your part, you know, as the author. And I think, you know, poets are very deliberate in what they choose to do. Um, so to, to kind of look for those potential images that could convey the premise or the theme that you're trying to emphasize, what could you bring in that could be, you know, kind of a key thing that would keep cropping up or a key, um, a key image. One of the things maybe, um, 
just as an example, like off the top of my head, I suppose, um, if you're familiar with the TV show turn that's going on on AMC mm-hmm. right now, they, almost in every episode, there will be somebody saying something that has to do with the concept of a turn. So there will be a line of dialogue or there will be somebody that says something, you know, like in one of the last episodes, the, the preacher who ends up being a traitor is saying this sermon essentially on like, turn your eyes away from, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, there it is again. It's that emphasis on turn. And it's that, you know, everybody's turning on each other. They're turning on, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's kind of finding that little, that little thread that you can just kind of toss in there, you know, and it's like, um, you know, it, it, it kind of enriches, I think the experience. And once you kind of start, you're like, Hey, wait, I, I keep seeing that. What is that doing there? Why is that? Why is that coming up? Um, it kind of enriches the, the experience of watching it or viewing it. I love that. I'm going to go back in and yeah, go look back at in and look at it. Oh, yeah, she's right. Ah, right yeah. there. Um, this is how a poet watches TV. <laughs> um, I annoy my husband a lot now. I'm like, wait, did you see how they did that? It's like, Oh, can we just watch the movie? <laughs> but you know, you know uh, but, but I think people should know that this is rewrite stuff. Yes. Okay. Because yes. if you start with all this, you're never going to get through your story. Yeah. It's going to be confusing. You're going yeah. to be working all around images rather than yeah, just around sort of the meat of it. But you go back in and you enrich with these ideas and you too can be flown out to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Your, your, yeah, your trip definitely. Here. So this is your first time in LA. First time in LA. What? First time in LA. I know it's awesome. You're, and you're, you're a Dallas girl. Yes. Right? Yes. And, um, uh, you know, besides sort of seeing the sights, um, you've been in meetings. Yes. So are these mainly for representation? Mainly for representation. Yeah. Which so is really exciting. Yeah. What are you learning? What are they asking you? Well, one of the things that, um, well, they, they, they kind of want to know where you're going, you know, what are your goals? What do you see for yourself? What are you kind of doing out here? You know, I think it's kind of testing out to see if you're, if you're really committed to a track, you know, are you willing to put in the work? Are you going to show that, um, you know, one of the, one of the great questions that I got was like, if, if you ended up in a room with like 10 executives who are all giving you notes on your script, can you handle that? And, you know, are you ready to get that level of feedback on your work? Are you ready to like have people just really, you know, from kind of all sides, like, you know, and, and are you, are you okay with being, you know, in that situation, you know, as a writer, are you going to be super precious like about your work and be, or are you going to be willing to hear, you know, feedback? And, um, and so I think, you know, kind of getting, getting a handle on who you are as a writer and owning that a little bit before, you know, you kind of are, it's, it helps, you know, to kind of feel like, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm doing out here. I have a purpose. I know what I want to do. Um, and I've got a direction and, and yeah, I'm okay with a lot of feedback on my work, which may not all be, you know, this is awesome, you know, because before that comes the, you need to totally rewrite, you know, right. Sure. And, but you've got to be, you know, the rewriting. And that's one of the things I loved about your contest actually was the fact that the, the really what happens with the rewrites is it, that's the magic, you know, it's like you can fix anything on a, on a subsequent draft. So, um, you know, putting together a great project means you're putting in the time, not just on writing, but on the rewriting and being willing to hear feedback. So, so that was one of the cool questions. Um, so you actually had answers to this and that's, that's yeah. what's so important. Oh, I, I, as soon as I kind of realized that this was a possibility when I kind of got to the semifinal round and I was like, there's a chance I could win this, which kind of blew my mind, but I was like, okay, there's a chance I started you know, kind of going to resources and saying, what do I need to kind of have ready to go? 
and, when and, I come out here. And so what did, did you have in your toolkit? In my toolkit, I did a lot of work kind of preparing, um, you know, being comfortable with, with the pitching process in case that was part of what, what, what was going on, um, preparing answers to questions like, you know, who are you? What are you doing out here? You know, what are your goals? What do you see for yourself? Just kind of trying to get that vision straight in my own head. You know, what is it that I'm out here to do? Um, yeah. So just kind of thinking around a lot of these issues, um, and working very, very hard on the next script actually was the other thing I did. Good so I turned right around and started the next one. So man, you have learned a lot, man. You know, <laughs> I, I can tell you've also listened to the podcast. Yes, I really you hear everybody going. You got to start working start on your next. Yeah, thing. that was the other advice I got. Is like, when in doubt, write. Mm-hmm. Just write more. Just keep going. Don't don't stop writing. So that's what I'm doing. Okay, so I'm going to play producer with you. So uh, what is your vision? How do you see yourself? Uh, what, what, what's your career path? My goal is to write sci-fi feature films. That's what I'm out here to do. And um, it's like such an exciting, just amazing opportunity to have that, like, vista of possibility, I guess. And so that's, that's my goal is to write sci-fi feature. So sci-fi yeah. feature. Okay. I'm going to, st- I'm still playing producer. Okay. Uh, sci-fi feature. Uh, can you be more specific about the kind of sci-fi feature? You know, what's, what's your, what's your favorite sci-fi movie? Star Trek, the reboot, my favorite. Oh man. My favorite. As playing the producer, I just heard money in my head. Money. I heard a lot of ka-ching yes. going on. Yeah. So this is somebody who can deliver on high concept sci-fi action. All right. Very cool. With like, Awesome and amazing character relationships is my goal too. I guess it's one of the things I love about the reboot. Yeah. Did uh, did your literary background come into play in any of these meetings? Somewhat. Yeah. Well, I got asked about you know kind of how I got into screenwriting and you know what's my background and they had done some sort of research on me ahead of time. So that's the other thing I would say. Like if you're if you're in this kind of position, make sure you've kind of got a profile that's up, a website and Twitter and like whatever at least looks sort of you know, that you're, you've got a presence in other words. Um, so they had done some background on me and, um, so they were kind of familiar with what I'd already been up to, but they wanted to kind of hear me kind of go through the sort of like we did at the beginning of this, like, what are you doing? You know, how'd you get here? Kind of thing. Um, so yeah, if, if that's, if that answers your question, that totally does. Sure does that, um, were there any surprises, anything you weren't expecting or did you feel like, no, that it went according to plan? I think you have to be prepared for, you know, kind of for, for anything in a sense, like you, you just kind of have to be willing to be comfortable in a conversation. Um, I think there's always surprises that kind of come at you. I think it's sort of how you, like how you're able to says, kind of like roll hey, with it. You're the like, next podcast guest. Yes. I bet like you how, know that. like I'm going to play. Yeah, exactly. That's like, <laughs> how are you going to roll with that? Um, so be prepared to like roll with it, you know, and, and be ready for that. Be ready to, to kind of rumble with that. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. Like if you approach it, like, you know, this is an opportunity. It's a fun, you know, and enjoy yourself. Like we've enjoyed, <laughs> I drive my sister out here and I'm like, we're going to LA. We're going to have a great time, you know? So enjoy the experience. You know, that's what it's all about. It's really fun. Um, uh, are there any other, uh, you're the, you're a, the winner. Are there other winners in this contest? There were semifinalists. So I was up against nine other writers for, in the semifinal round. Um, so yeah, there were, there were finalists, um, but I was the only winner of that. Did you meet contest. any of them? I actually connected on Twitter with another one of the writers and we're planning to catch up at like the Austin film festival in the fall and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's been kind of fun to like connect, um, connect with some of the other, the writers. Um, 
it's always fun to meet new new writers who are kind of working and doing their own thing and you know it's cool no, I have to know. Are they putting you up at the Roosevelt? Yes. They're putting you up at the Roosevelt? They're putting me up at the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. This, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Man. Oh, this yeah. is not fair at all. It was it's really great. It's though. awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, look, look, people who are listening, if you've ever, you haven't been to LA yet, stay at the Roosevelt Hotel stay because Roosevelt. you're like right in the center of like where Hollywood and Highland is. And it's like this kind of cool... Uh, old Hollywood vibe, and um, I believe that the first Oscars were in the Roosevelt. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. all kinds of history and and stuff there. That was yeah. They kind of gave me. They were like, here's some options, and I was like, oh, clearly, <laughs> clearly, I'm gonna pick the historical, like right in the middle. Yeah. So it's been it's been cool. Now you were you were ta- talking a little bit about. Um, your project with memory, but I'm not really sure where all this lands in terms of what you won with and what you're going to do next. Yeah. So, can you log line? Can the, I log the, line the the, uh, the current project that did that that just won? that won? Uh, it's a sci-fi um, adventure, really. Uh, it's called Render, and it's about an interstellar archaeologist who has to track down um, a very dangerous alien artifact before it can be used by a corrupt head of a corporation to essentially like destroy an alien civilization and dominate humanity. So nicely put, well described. If everybody goes back into that log line, we've got the character, we've got a goal, we've got a ticking clock. Um, and we've definitely got the antagonist coming through. It's like the whole movie is there. So I would turn around and say, why is it different? What do you think got their attention? Because it's a great log line. You're probably a very good writer, but what's that one thing that you did differently that we've never seen in this well, movie before? My main character is a well, it's a woman, and so and she's an archaeological illustrator instead of just an archaeologist. So what she does is she uses uh, digital illustration and 3D printing technologies to render artifacts. So this company that she works for creates earth replica worlds. They terraform worlds. And her job is to go down to earth and create replicas of famous artifacts and kind of cultural history to take to these new, these new planets. So that's kind of my little twist. So she's not just like an Indiana Jones. Yeah. I'm going to go be a treasure hunter. She's actually like, she's like a brilliant artist and, um, super kind of, you know, savvy about culture and, and history and, and things like that. So and she's, she's got a unique skill yeah. and she's got a very contemporary skill. Yes. Something which that is everybody's awesome. talking about and yeah. you're actually applying it. Yeah. I like it's that. Yeah. I like that. That was a great answer to my question. Thank you. Um, okay. So the next project, can you say what it's about? I can. It's a sci-fi horror film, this one called Echo. And it's about a bounty hunter um, who has to track down this beautiful creature whose DNA they think holds the key to a plague that is devastating a human colony. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Plague that is devastating. This ha Wow. And what what makes it horrific? I mean, monsters, plague. Monsters. Okay. This creature looks human, but is not. And they're messing with genetic stuff that that usually doesn't go well. You know, when you're splicing alien DNA with human DNA and expecting a good result doesn't doesn't work out well I, so, I tried that for breakfast you tried that yeah I did, did not yeah. go well at all yeah if you see that at a spa don't don't do it. <laughs> it it almost sounds like this might be influenced by the thing a little bit are you a, a fan it's, of that movie 
It's more, actually, it kind of, when you ask about my literary background, this one, um, one of my favorite novels of all time is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Right. And that has to do with a man who wants to be preserved as beautiful and essentially ageless forever. And the painting that's done of him is the one that's going to take all of the, the sort of like the grunge that builds up on his soul and would otherwise be reflected in him. This painting is going to reflect that. And, um, it sort of ends very, very tragically and very, you know, he, he doesn't end up happy, you know, as he thinks he's going to end up happy. Um, and so really like the, one of the things that it was interesting, the um, conversation that was happening before, because one of the reasons why I really wanted to deal with this was that I've got two little girls myself. And I read a statistic recently that said like 78% of 17 year olds have body image issues in our culture. And the emphasis on physical perfection and being ageless, what are we willing to sacrifice for that? how far are you willing to go? Like if you could, if there was a way to create some kind of serum that could do that, would you give everything up for that? And so that's kind of the, yeah, the, the don't premise. Don't ask me this right now. You don't know and, what age I am. I am. I'm, no, I'm seriously it, considering this. Right. It won't go well. If you yeah. use the kind of stuff that All they right. came up with okay. in, the, in the film, it won't go well. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the, the genesis, if you will, of, of where that idea came from was, was kind of like looking around and going, what, what it's, you know, what are we willing to give up for, for that kind of thing? And like, if that technology were available, would you do it? You know? And so this is, that's kind of like the setup for, for what they're doing out there on this alien planet. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I, I love that. That's I was fun. like, are you influenced by the thing? And you're like, no picture of Dorian. Gray. Of course. <laughs> no, but I love, what okay. I so thinking? one of my favorite scripts though is aliens. So I definitely, I'm definitely like reading through the script of aliens. I'm like, give me some really good horror inspiration. And I'm like loving it. And I see the yeah, script the, page up here with right, the famous the, the alien poster. of the uh, creature it's right. coming out, which is awesome. The grossest moment the grossest in, in moment. that screenplay. And I blew it up and, and, Printed it in red. Yes. Thanks to a, a graphic artist, Steve Darkangelo, and then I put it on the wall. That's awesome. Yeah. Alien sort of traumatized me as a child. I saw it as a child. It sort of like stuck with me. But now I'm like, this is, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic that I'm now writing a horror film. Yeah. And you're a mom too. I'm a mom too. How yeah. old are your kids? I have, uh, well, my two girls are four, five five and almost four and i've got four boys would what? you believe it i've got six Wait. kids i have six kids what i'm looking at you <laughs> the reason i didn't even ask you if you had kids when i met you is because you look like a kid and you have six <laughs> yes, i have six my oldest is 15 so I'm so yeah. confused. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Now I get it, right? So you've been taking some of this youth stuff, right? You, oh, no. You <laughs> well, my kids keep me young. I guess I could soul. say that. All right. I'm just saying. I'm there's just there's saying. a picture in a closet That's somewhere. That's right. <laughs> Aging don't go looking in that speak. closet. Stuff will come out. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like, don't open the door. <laughs> you don't know what's going to come out. Wow, six. Okay, yeah. so people, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, working parents out there. Yes. So you teach, Yeah. you have six children, you are writing and yeah. you're writing your second script and you're coming out here. So, yeah. so somewhere in there is the key to time management. <laughs> Please tell us any, any tips, for, any tips for writing parents out there? Um, have a support network, I think is really awesome. Like I'm out here obviously with my sister, who's just a rock star support person. She's like my cheerleader out there. Um, and my husband is a huge help. So like, you know, my mom and 
just having support, you know, people that believe in what you're doing and people who are willing to kind of pitch in when you're like, you know what, I'm on a deadline. I, I've got to get like papers graded and like get out the door, you know, people who are willing to kind of step up. So I say, you know, like friends, family, you know, it doesn't happen alone. Like I'm not like, you know, going to be able to do this alone. Um, I've got a lot of support and I like that too, because I think sometimes we, we feel so guilty about it yeah. and you're saying like, you don't have time don't to feel guilty, feel guilty just, about it. Just, you know, they're there, they're saying they yeah. want to help. Let, Let them help. help. Yeah. Let them help. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's hard. We don't want to feel like we need help sometimes I think, but kind of owning that, like, you know what, this is, this is important work to me. And it's important to the people who love me that, you know, that I do the work that's important to me. And so, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, kind of allowing people to pitch in when they want to is, is huge. Um, and as far as time management, I prioritize like a beast. Um, I kind of have to, so like the to-do list is just never going to get done. I just have to make peace with the fact that my to-do list is always longer than the time that I have. Um, so the, the trick is to kind of focus on what needs to be done right now. Like, what do I have to do right now? Like on this day, you know, like top three, if I get those three things done, you know, I'm good. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Prioritize. Uh, do you wake up early and write? Do you stay up late and write? I'm a morning person. Um, I do most of my writing actually in the morning. So my kids are in school now. all of them are in school. So that's, that's been awesome in terms of having sort of like dedicated writing time where it's kind of quiet and and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, when I'm not, when I'm not, you know, if I've got classes or whatever, I kind of work in my writing schedule and I've got several days a week where I just block out and this is my writing time. So yeah, it, it has to be preserved. Like you've got to put boundaries around that and be like, I'm writing right now. Got to do the writing and, you know, fit the other stuff in, you know, prioritize and fit it in where it needs to go. Um, yeah, but protect the writing time. Definitely wherever it fits in your day. That is, that is a great note to leave on. This Thank one's going to be a slightly shorter because, yeah, because we weren't, I wasn't counting on doing another one, but I'm so glad that we could squeeze it in. I am too. Thank you for this. I've, it's been awesome. This is like a highlight of my trip out here well, is to get to I sit feel, across the table from you and be on this podcast that I've been listening to. This is like surreal. So thank you. I, it's awesome to have you. I feel lucky that you said, hey, can I, can I come on over? Because <laughs> who awesome. knew that? Well, you know what? I should have known because they're, the people who listen to this show, you know, not only are they uber talented, but they all have these incredible expertise. And that's what I'm learning. Yeah. You it's know, awesome is, to hear these different people come it in. Is, yeah. It's so cool. So, very cool. so thank you very much. SK. Thank and, you. and I hope that you enjoy the, the couple of hours that you have left in LA. Yes, I know I you're will. leaving on a plane tonight. Yes. Yes. Um, and when you come back, which will inevitably happen, um, I'm assuming that you'll be coming back with a little success, um, even more success. Planning on it. I'm planning on it. Come back here <laughs> Thank and you. report. I All will. Right. I would love to. That okay. would be awesome. Thank you. All right. So we've got um, we've got SK Valenzuela, our undiscovered writer of the moment, but Thank not you. for long. Congratulations Thank you, on winning the Industry Insider Contest. Thank you. That yes, that's official it. name. That's it. And uh, and we will be hearing more from you. Thank um, you. Should people. Do you, you don't have any time for social media and all this, I, right? Are I you have, tweeting so, on top I, of it all? well, I tweet when I can, but I'm on there. It's at SK Valenzuela. If you want to find me on Twitter, excellent. SK Valenzuela.com. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to like tweet a really smart person, tweet me. <laughs> her. Um, I also want to remind people to go to onthepage.tv. I've got the rewrite class here. It's a two day rewrite class, June 4th and 5th. Um, I can hook you up with a nice hotel because I do love me some hotels and it's, uh, 
in walking distance from the studio. And um, SK can can vouch for the fact that I'm in a great neighborhood. As yes, far as, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. A lot of restaurants and stuff to walk around. So if you want to make it your vacation, June 4th and 5th, I would love to work with you. Also, if you want to check out that class in London, June 11th and 12th, um, go to, I believe it is rewritetoolkit.com if that's not right check it out through the London Screenwriters Festival okay um, but I will be there June 11th and 12th and I would love to see you thanks again SK for thank being you. here thank you for having me really I appreciate, appreciate it you know, now you know the, the out for this show right you know, you know, I say like, thank you to the guest right and I say thanks everybody to listening and have a good Writing, writing week. week. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.